Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man on Twitter you know as JepetDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. With a fair few games slated for Victoria now, in the short to medium term at least, will you start to target players from Vic-based teams? Like, as in, well, those players that are playing in Victoria from Richmond or Collingwood or Carlton that will pretty much stay here for the rest of the year? Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that, to be fair. I think I'm just going to pick the the, the player that I believe is going to um, dominate their matchups. You know, we, we look at fixtures ahead and, and, yeah, whether they're Victorian or non-Victorian won't really matter, to be fair, for me. Okay, now, at this stage of the season as well, many coaches are starting to struggle with limited cash flow. How have you found the last couple of weeks? Yeah, really tough. Um, really, really tough, to be fair. I've, I've still got three rooks on field and not much cash generation in the background. So it's, yeah, it's my gamble with picking those high-priced primos hasn't paid off yet, but there's still time. Yeah, I'm down to one, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm actually managing that from week to week, obviously making a trade and just keeping in mind what I need for the next week as well. So I'm all good with this. Uh, I've maintained discipline uh, throughout the buy period, etc., to make sure that uh, post-buy you've got plenty of cash there as well, and obviously targeting those uh, players with low salary that are coming into the team that can hit a pretty good score to um, increase their salary quite quickly. Um, yeah, and again, just actually, I've just watched my salary spend there as well for future upgrades. All right, let's get into it. As always, if you retweet any podcast link that is sent out, sent out via Twitter, uh, you're in, a, in with a chance of winning a plus six pod, podcast cap. Uh, the next retweet giveaway will be at the end of the season, but we'll run a few comps in between now and then as well. Also, AFL Ratings Twitter accounts, jump on and follow. All I ask in return for the content are likes and retweets, additional AFL fantasy content on aflratings.com.au, uh, injuries and f- fantasy stuff there as well, so jump on there and have a look. Uh, remember, this podcast is focused on AFL fantasy cl- classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, June 29, and as always, as always, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. All right, Jet, let's get into it. General questions. Trying to increase rank through these late stages of the season can be challenging. Name five ways to find an edge over the final eight rounds. So points of difference, first and foremost. Um Really need to find the points difference, the players of the low ownership. Second is fixture, assessing the fixture, finding those players that have a pretty easy run over the, the last nine rounds and um, and analysing that. Number three is always picking players that that you believe are durable and, and won't cause you injury problems. You know, you know, Danger's one that comes to mind. He's got his injury history of late and, and Prestia as well, who's quite cheap but just keeps getting bogged down with soft tissue. Uh, number four is someone you believe that um, has a high ceiling. So we, we want these high ceiling players. It's all good and well for a player to, to score three figures, but I always look for the players that can go 120 or above. And lastly, just backing in um, players that are in good form. You know, it's there's no point bringing in players that are struggling for form just because they're cheap. You've got to bring, bring in the players that are hitting form. Yeah, number one for me, captain selections. So look at the nat, 
matchups there, especially uh, include weather assessment as well. So you don't really want wet games pretty much. Uh, Marvel Stadium is a good one for this time of the year, especially in Melbourne now with the cold and wet outside. And yeah, ceiling ability there for me as well included in that. Uh, avoid number two, so avoid sketchy ownership plunge. I've mentioned this previously on the podcast. If you got, if you can put any holes in a a player that's going to be highly targeted by many in that particular week, well then that might be a time to jump off that and go somewhere else. So also move away from a highly owned player. So one I mentioned last week, and I'm still strong on as well, even though he scored well and played uh, fantastic last week, is Sam Walsh. So he gets tagged the previous week, low score. Um, pretty much Adelaide didn't, one, didn't do a good job, or two, they just actually just ignored him, and he just went to town on them. But with Sam Walsh, I still believe that it's a strong possibility that you can jump off because this week is potentially Caleb Sarong going to him, and we know yeah. he's done jobs uh, there in the past. And the week after is actually Mark O'Connor for Geelong. So you've got to be thinking that the potential that he might cop back-to-back here. And, you know, um, I guarantee you coaches looked at that GWS game and thought, well, there's something for you, and then just shut out Sam Walsh. So... It's a bit of a copycat league, and I, I've got to suspect that there's got to be some time put into Walsh, so there might be a chance to jump off highly owned players again. So I'm still strong on that. We'll see how it plays out. Now, if Walsh can get through that and you don't trade out, well, that's fantastic. But, yeah, it just might be an opportunity there to, to have a look at. Uh, number three for me, monitor positional changes within teams. So if there are some injuries for particular teams and a potential increase in midfield usage, that might be something to keep an eye on. And if you know that player's already got a, a generous fantasy ceiling or fantasy your top game, uh, you might be able to jump on them at a low salary. Number four, make smart decisions, especially with salary spend, because if you can go for one big upgrade the one week, well, what's that going to do to you in the future few weeks when you still need to upgrade and you've spent all your money on one particular player? So be very smart with your salary spend. Uh, definitely trade targets uh, included in that, and also the bench loophole. Obviously, you can gain a few extra points there if you can uh, loop some bench players onto the ground over the period of a weekend. And the last one, number five for me, is going early on a trade, knowing that many could wait that extra week with a high break-even. Now, we mentioned that a few weeks ago on the podcast. You know, if somebody's got a 130 break-even and they've got a pretty good ceiling and they had a pretty decent salary and you can afford it for that week and it doesn't really hamper your um, salary spend in the next few weeks, well, then I would potentially go early on that player. All right, Jeff, is, time, is it time yet to target 170K players on the bench that have a potential to play at some stage for the rest of the year in order to complete upgrades. So this is actually down to the last eight weeks of the season. So pretty much throwaway players are coming into question now. So if you've got pretty good bench cover, do you start the throwaway players now? What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. But it depends on, you know, if you're making your last upgrade or, or your second last upgrade. I, I would... At a push, if you've still got two rooks on field, I, I would look at it for sure based on the other bench players and if you've got good coverage. But um, if you've still got three rooks on field or um, or your bench is light for um, emergencies, then I wouldn't do it just yet. But we're on, you know, next week is a different story. Next week we start pulling triggers like that. So we're close. Yeah, if bench cover is very good for me, uh, then yeah, no problem with that. 
But for me, there's still a few value picks around under 750k, so it's not really going to hamper your salary to spend there as well. Plus, there are actually a few gems available with some decent break-evens. We'll get into that in a few minutes' time for sure. All right, Jeff, current assessments. We're going to talk some ownership again this week. So this rucked uh, what they were owned in the top 25 from round 15. Uh, Max Gorn was 100%, and he remained 100%. Sean Darcy, 36% total. Uh, Rolly O'Brien, 32% total. So they pretty much didn't change there. But the one player that did change was Brody Grundy. So uh, up to 20% now. Now, the interesting part about this was four of the top six coaches now have Brody Grundy. That move was made last week. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's um, it, it was good. He looked fresh. He looked um, moved well, and it was a good move by those coaches for sure. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things I'll, I'll go back to again. It's going early. Now, we all had, well, I kept Grundy through the buy period, but we all had, uh, well, those that traded him, all had three weeks up their sleeve knowing that they've got to get him back in. So to get him back in with a high ceiling player now is pretty much arguably the number one ruck, and he's got a very generous ceiling there as well. You know, three weeks to time in order to plan that out, I would have ex- executed that trade last week. So four of the top six coaches... And that's why they're ranked in the top top six there. Uh, actually made that move last week. So uh, good on them. Now let's look at some defenders. So wholly owned players. Lockie Whitfield, 96%. So that's locked in now. So uh, pretty much that move was made after the buy period for GWS. Uh, Rory Laird in there at 92%. So it's a combination of midfield and defense, defense where he is owned. Now the one that's going to come into some... Um, uh, decreased ownership next week, uh, I would assume, and I think he's going to be wholly traded out, would be Nick Hind. Now, he's at 80% owned in that top 25. He's got a break-even of 121, so he's going to hemorrhage a little bit of cash here. So I think he's going to be uh, massively traded out for those that do own him. Now, one player who's been fantastic this year is Isaac Cummings, 72%, Sam Doherty, 72%, Dan Houston, 60%, and increasing. And Tom Stewart, 48%. Your thoughts on any one of those? And which player, I would assume you're saying Hind would be the one to trade out. What are your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Hind's the one to go. I think he's done his job. Um, it, it makes sense to, to maximise this profit and, and upgrade if, if desirable and if you can. Um, but, you know, no, all the other players are, are pretty um, pretty predictable there. Yeah, so the low-owned players that can be used in defence, Callum Mills, 36%, Oleg Markov, 32 Jaden Short, 28 Jordan Ridley, 28 Jack Crisp, 24 Jake Lloyd, 12%, Nick Haynes, only 12%, which is a little bit of a surprise. He's been actually quite good since he's gone to the back line for the Giants. So your thoughts on any one of those players, uh, if you like? Yeah, the one I like still there is Callum Mills, just because of his pure inside mid role um, and that... Helps with points generation. Okay, on to midfield. Now, these are the highly owned players. Tim Sarando, 100%. Zach Merritt, 96%. Jack McRae, 96%. Tom Mitchell, 92% now. And Sam Walsh, there was at 80%. So, one, two, three, four, five of the top eight mids are locked in. So, there's pretty much no ownership there that you can sort of trade into. So you're going you're gonna to hit a wall of ownership if you do target those players. And Scott Pendlebury jumped up to 76% jet. What are your thoughts Just on that? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? So obviously we predicted that Pendlebury would be a highly targeted, and he definitely was up to 76%. Uh, your thoughts on any one of those? Yeah, I mean, Pendles was the, the obvious choice from last week, and um, probably... 
was a bit under underwhelming, to be honest, points-wise, but he'll come good. And, yeah, look, all the ownership there, again, no surprises. They're the, the top of the tops, aren't they? Yeah, just the one for me there, again, Sam Walsh, if you're looking to move off ownership at 80%, uh, be something I'll look at. But if you've got other pressing issues on the ground, just, yeah, maybe exactly. to wait a week. So Yeah, but, that's what I would suggest. Just with the Walsh thing, if, if you had all the upgrades done and you're looking at getting an edge, definitely look at it. But your last rookie upgrade or, or some other drama is more important, I think. For sure. Okay, low-owned players, Jep, that could be used for the, through the midfield. So we've got a few players here to go through. So um, Darcy Parrish, 36%. Lockie Neal, 32%. Brad Crouch, 24%. Andrew Brayshaw, 16%. Ollie Wine, 16%. Jack Steele, 12 Jack Crisp, 12 Jai Simpkin, 12%. Marcus Bonson, Pally Dennett, 8%. Jared Lyons, 8%. Now, these players that have zero ownership are Took Miller, Ben Keyes, Cam Guthrie, Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, Taylor Adams. Who do you like of any one of those to target? So, out of the ones out of yeah, that group, it's definitely Bonson Pally after he tore my team to shreds on the weekend and um, hot Brownlow favourite. Yeah, for me, a couple there. Uh, Lockie Neal, I think, will be a big target after a couple of good weeks uh, returning from the bye. So I think he's going to be a big target. You're not worried about his shoulder at all? Uh, not really. Uh, he came back on, finished the game, and there's been nothing out of the Brisbane all week. So, But it's still something to keep an eye on, obviously, be aware of. But, yeah, I think all good for me. So he would be a target. I think he's going to be uh, highly targeted there. And he's a pretty decent salary. Jack Steele is another one. He's a very high-selling player. So there's one player with low ownership I would target in that group. All right, Jet, we're going to go into the forward line now. So it's Josh Kelly, 100%. Uh, Aaron Hall at 96%. Lockie Hunter, 84%. Dustin Martin, 72%. So those four players are pretty much locked in. So which one of those do you want to discuss? Oh, Hunter. I think Hunter's... Like, I... Watching closely on the weekend seems to be more moving towards the wing role again. Um, not too much of a half forward stint on, on against West Coast, and um, I like him a lot for the final rounds. All right, the low owned players now: Patrick Dangerfield, twenty percent, so a little bit of spike in ownership last week. Jack Zebel at twelve percent, still side bottom, still getting it done at eight percent. Dane Zorko, and I think he will be the number one target this yeah. week. He's at 4%. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Zorko for me. It's the ceiling of Zorko, isn't it? You know, he hit 147 last week or 140-odd. It was a phenomenal effort against a very, very good opponent. And, you know, in my head I was thinking I'm going to wait a week for Zorko because he plays Geelong. They might lock down on him a bit and how wrong I was. So, yeah, Zorko's the one. Zorko's a target, but you were talking about around about 800k, so not many people with salary uh, cap struggles that are going to be able to afford Zorko, Jep. So how do they get there? Yeah, um, <laughs> one of my options this week is a double downgrade, believe it or not, so I can go straight up next week. I liked the, the look of a couple of rookies that I'm, I'm thinking about, but, yeah, this, this is the challenge now. It's um, finding the cash to get all these stunning or gun players that are uh, in hot form. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going Walsh to Zorko for those that held Walsh. But anyway, we'll get off that Walsh issue for me in the next couple of weeks, I would presume. All right, so Jeb, what are you, or who are your five targets for round 16, assuming you don't own any? So Zorko mm-hmm. is, is definitely number one. 
I think um, Bonson Pelly's number two. Mm-hmm. Jack Steele, number three. Mm-hmm. And again, consistency so far as these high ceiling players. Uh, number four is um, Brody Grundy. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I still like the look of Petrarca. I mentioned him before. Yeah, no, no ownership, so just keep an eye on that one. So I don't mind uh, track there as well. So my five are Bont, Steele, uh, Tuke Miller, Lockie Neal, and Dane Zorko. So pretty much covered a few of those players that you mentioned there as well. Well, Jeff, we're going to talk about low break evens now. So we're going to run through a group of players, and then uh, pretty much we'll just discard those, and we're going to talk about another group of players. So low break evens, Luke Foley, minus 24. No need to be concerned with him right now. Ned Reeves, pretty much the same, unless he gets named for the Hawks, minus 22. Max Lynch, out of the team for Brody Grundy, minus 10. Nick Bryan, minus 4, although Andrew Phillips is now injured. So it be interesting to see if they give Brian another shot there. So 195k, you might want to throw away a downgrade with him, potentially, with the, with the fact that he could play some games later in the season. Kieran Briggs, minus three. Now, with Shane Mumford, apparently uh, should be okay to play. Now, they rested him for an extra week. I've got to assume that if he's good to go this week, that he's going to go up against Max Gorn. So you've got to be thinking Briggs in uh, some sort of trouble to hold his position, but we'll see how that plays out. Now, those players aside, we're going to talk about some other players here now. Jeremy Sharp, he looked actually really good on the weekend. Played out on a wing roll for the Suns, uh, scored quite well. So he's at minor, so he's at one break even, 251k, and I think that's actually a pretty good downgrade. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind actually if you need him to start on ground for starting on ground. What do you think of Nedjip? Yeah, I agree. I I like the look of him. I I was actually mildly surprised. I. I tweeted out to wait a week and let's see what his role was because I was worried he was going to get in that half-forward role with Ellis on one wing and, and Lacocious potentially on the other. I didn't know how they were going to work and how they were going to structure their 22. So he played predominantly wing, um, used the ball well, marked it well, obviously a soft match-up a little bit with North Melbourne, but um, has come a long way since last year and I'm a big fan. Joel Amati had some issues with the league last week, but it was also a wet weather game, so that didn't really yeah. suit him at all. So, But he's up now at 304k, break even of three. I'm not too sure if you really got many players to, to spin down to 304k. You might want to look a bit further down, especially to a sharp, but break even of three. But, yeah, just one to keep an eye on there, Jip. Yeah, agreed with everything you said, mate. If you don't own him, I wouldn't be bringing him in now. Uh, John Newcomb, a uh, little bit of form after a very good start to his career, uh, a bit slow in his second round, came back 64 points, especially after a slow start in his third game. So 273k is not sort of out of the ballpark, but break even of five. So he's going to increase his salary somewhat over the next few weeks. Jeb, what are your thoughts on Newcomb? Yeah, look, I, I still have real good um, faith in Newcomb and his role is a big tick and he just looked a bit out of sorts two weeks ago. So let's back him in. He, um, as long as he's got the role and he's got obviously got a mature body that can tackle, and I always love rooks that can tackle. Uh, the next one, Leo Connolly, comes on uh, for the Saints late in that game against Richmond last week. Now, the Saints blew out the Tigers. Uh, a very good performance there. But Connolly, um, he junked junk time, and he actually did junk it up. So he scored quite well in that last quarter. But you really got to keep in mind that it was junk time. So, but at least we know that he's got a fantasy game. So he's at 189k break even at seven. He scores 53 points. Most of that came in the last quarter, Jeb. I do like him if he does get named. What are you thinking? Yeah, of course. You know, it's 
any any mark kick player like that that um, has it. It looks like he had a big tank and he was quite active. So never um, running slowly or still. He was always moving, and um, that's a good sign. And I think um, Rats will back him in for a full game this week. And I like the look of him too. Yeah, the one the last one I'm going to talk about in this group of players here. I've never really been a fantasy. Uh, fan of his fantasy game however he's going to get inside midfield usage and it has been there the last few games for uh, Paddy Dow so he's now at a break even of 19 he's 310k he's actually I thought it was actually his best game for Carlton last week scores 77 points so is it his turning point so if it is there's actually monster value here but man he's never really shown any fantasy game whatsoever so it comes with high risk but the one thing we need to acknowledge here is that the role is definitely there, Jeb. 310k, are you willing to do it? No way. Not a chance. It is, look, yes, the role's there. But look, I, when I watch him, I see a lot of fumbles. I don't see a player playing with confidence. He's still got to work a lot on some aspects of his game. And over anything over 300 grand at this point, especially with my team and the way I'm set up, no, not a hope in help. Yeah, if, you, if you're looking at, um, if you don't ha- have Sharp already, uh, I'd pretty much be going down to Sharp over most players in that group. But yeah, uh, there is definitely risk, but at least there's some sort of sign of a fantasy game there. We'll see how he goes to finish just, out the season. Yeah, just put it this way. If um, if Connolly can come on late, and yes, the game was dead, it was junk time, and get all these mark kicks, imagine what Sharp will do against Richmond for hopefully a full game on the wing. So... And Gold Coast obviously play the mark kick game. So keep that in mind. Um, I think Sharp's the number one target this week. His role's there. We know what he's going to um, provide. He's got a pretty good matchup against Richmond, hopefully, this week, um, unless they get blown out of the water, of course. And then Connolly's the next best. Just on that mark kick game for Gold Coast, as I mentioned in the solo podcast uh, last night is that the last three weeks uh, the Gold Coast Suns have actually declined significantly so last three weeks uncontested marks are down at 76.7 average over the last three games now in their first uh, 11 games they averaged 101.5 so there's a monster decline here so just got to keep an eye out for that uh, market game because it's not been there the last three weeks but anyway I still like Sharp I think he was really good on the weekend I think his salary is great and I think his break even is also great all right Jeff on to other players to consider below 750k so I'm going to run through a little bit of stats and info here and just give me one line of what are your thoughts on each so Jack Crisp, 101.2 season average, 110 last week, 744k, break even of 115, medium ownership. What are you thinking? Yeah, top six defender for me, big like. Uh, Jack Zebel, 106.6 season average, 78 last week, although the Suns uh, didn't take it inside 50 as much as uh, North Melbourne defenders would have liked to score quite well. So again, 78 last week, 742k, 119 break even, low ownership. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm not. I'm still worried about the dynamics of McDonald now back in that half back line. I think Zebel's the one to potentially get moved around, and um, I'm not a fan of that. So I'm going to avoid him. Yeah. So um, 
McDonald's been thrown a little bit on the wind there as well, so you just got to keep out for his role. But Zebel is pretty much locked into that back line all year. And listening to David Noble speak, that yeah, he's pretty comfortable with him sitting in the back line. But yeah, it's possible that with the last few rounds of the season, a few things might get moved around because in the end, Noble is actually just assessing the list and where it's at. So yeah, just, as, and as we have mentioned throughout the podcast this year, is that your teams in a rebuild situation and scenario that can move uh, players around and positions around. So yeah, I do agree with that. Okay, on to Luke Dunstan. Last two games, 109, 732k, break-even 100, low ownership. What do you think? He's given St Kilda a lot of midfield punch, and I, I don't think it's that unreasonable to, to look at him as a POD. Lockie Neal, 108.5, the last two. Had that shoulder concern. Now, 729k, break-even of 110, low ownership. What are you thinking? Look, I, I he, he's one I'm going to wait a week on. Let's see how he pulls up on the shoulder. But it wouldn't surprise me if he went 120 this week. Oh, for him to come back after that shoulder um, sort of niggle or injury was really impressive in that second half. And um, it got my attention. So, um, yeah, those willing should trade him in. But I'm going to wait a week. Yeah, just on that, just listening to some post-game interviews there, is that the shoulder did not dislocate last week. So that's why he came back on in. He's pretty much, he was unstrapped and he was ready to go. So any type of dis- dislocation is what I'd listen to in the, in the um, commentary is that that's an issue and that did not happen apparently. So um, all signs are good, but we'll, yeah, I agree. You still need to acknowledge that there was an issue last week. And I thought he was gone. When he went off, I go, well, that's it. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. And, that, and if he was gone and out for several weeks, that would be the third time I've had to trade him out this season, which, which would have been a disaster. Oh, gee whiz. Okay, so on to Joy Simkin. So his last four, 111.8. Now, 724K getting up there, 81 break-even, low ownership. What are you thinking? Yeah, look, a general rule. Again, I, I, I use this, and I'm not always right with it, but with the lesser teams, I try to avoid their, their mids, especially in like Simkin, who can... Has a reputation of going really well, good patch, and then has a quiet game. You've got Jed Anderson to come back at some point as well. Taylor Adams comes back from the injury, uh, scores 116 points. He's got no ownership. So he's at 723k, 108 break even. I think he's going to be a target this week as well. So low ownership, what are you thinking? Well, like you said earlier, mate, about Grundy, about jumping in early, that's Dunstan. Oh, that's, uh, sorry. Adams. That's Adams. It's... um. It's a no-brainer. He's the engine room of the Collingwood midfield, isn't he? So, yeah, again, if you're willing to take a risk on his injury history this year especially, then do it, trade him in. Travis Boak, last three, 106.7. Now, play a little bit forward in that second quarter on the weekend. Again, it was a wet weather game. Now, his second half was actually fantastic. So he's at 717k, break-even of 89, low ownership. Uh, to finish out the season, what are you thinking, Jeff? Boke, a chance or not? Uh, yeah, I think he is. Again, he's he falls into the um, to the POD. The problem with Boke is his ceiling. Is it as high as it should be or could be? So um, for that reason, I'd probably avoid him. Jake Lloyd, only 57 points last week. Season average oh. 95.9. Wet, wet, wet weather, and that ball didn't really hang around that half-back line for the Swans enough for him to get involved from a fantasy perspective. But 693k, 136 break-even, and he's going to get cheaper in the next couple of weeks. So uh, he's pretty low owned. So I'm going to imagine in the next couple of weeks he's going to be a bit of a target there. Low ownership. What are you thinking, Jeff? 
Yeah, obviously, if you're a non-owner, um, you wait a while till he bottoms out. Um, but as an owner like myself, you you maintain frustration. It was hard to watch last week. On to Sean Darcy. Now, uh, 64 against Randy on the weekend, 699k, break even 111, medium ownership. What are you thinking? I still think he's an option for that forward line, Jep. Now, I did tweet out uh, on my Twitter feed that his next several weeks should be quite favourable from a scoring perspective, but his final two rounds of the season where maybe you could jump off and trade him out because he does have tough matchups. Uh, for me, I still like him. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I still like him. I still rate him as a top six forward for sure, even um, after the uh, coming against Grundy. So let's put that aside. He plays Carlton this week, and I'm expecting big things. Still side bottom. The last six, he's averaged 98.5, 692k, 97 break, even low ownership. Now, he's still getting it done, Jeff. What are you thinking? No, I'm going to park it. I can't do it. I feel like when I trade him in, he's going to get a, a soft tissue. So... Yeah, I'm going to avoid it just for that reason. Yeah, low ownership, and he does have a ceiling. But, yeah, if you're an ageist, again, as I mentioned previously, it might be an excuse to not to do it. Now, Dyson Heppel, he's actually been quite solid the last two games. Really good. 105.5. Now, 700K, break even of 97, low ownership. I think he's a bit of a target there, Chip. What are you thinking? Yeah, would love to do it. Um, He's actually one of my options this week. So, yeah. Really looking at it hard, and I think others should um, follow. He's he's the leader of that team, and they like the ball in his hand, don't they? Daniel Rich, last seven, he's been very consistent, 97.7 points. Now, he does have a ceiling, so a bit of volatility in his scoring, but over a seven-week period, 97.7 is pretty good for a defender. 689K, low ownership, break-even of 108. I actually think he's a bit of a target here, Jeff. What are you thinking? Yeah, there's not. It's funny. He's not a big, big amongst the fantasy world in discussion. But he doesn't do a lot wrong, does he? he you know, he always has the ball in his hands. He, he's got a great mark kick game um, and can tackle and score. So yeah, there's not a lot to like. So you, you definitely look at it. Now, Jaden Shaw, 105.3 last four games. He's been quite good. 687k break even of 78. Now, here's low ownership. Now, the thing on the Tigers, right? They've actually, uh, as I've mentioned in the last couple of weeks, their uncontested marks are starting to skyrocket. But, bit of a press conference from Damien Harwick today, and he's pretty much says we need to get back to the Richmond way, which is not uncontested marks. It's high pressure, high forward line pressure. So, I like short. I like short at this price. I think he's a really good fantasy player. But, yeah, just got to be interested in what Richmond are going to do to try and get their season back on track. And that's turning back to what they have done previously. And that is not uncontested, Marks. What are you thinking there, Jeff? Yeah, with that with that comment and that data that you provided there, mate, it's it's way to week. But, obviously, he's a big like and, um, and can turn it on, especially... Um, in recent weeks, the the last two games against you know Optus Stadium, which is a mark kick ground, and again last week it's, it probably suited him. But yeah, let's wait a week, let's see how Richmond play, and then push the button. Yeah, just for next year on short, if Hawley doesn't play on, I I got to imagine that I would be targeting Jaden Short in that Richmond. So absolutely, yeah, completely agree. Once he's got that back line by himself and he commands the ball, uh, there it could be a pretty decent ceiling there. But anyway, we'll wait and see how that plays out for Richmond. All right, Jeb Tom Stewart gets matched up against Charlie Cameron in the first half, 
and it is a, it's pretty much a hard defensive lockdown. So I think both teams were actually in the first half pretty happy with the matchup because Stewart did actually quite well on Cameron. And not only that, from Brisbane's point of view, they were happy that Stewart was on Cameron because that took away his intercept marking capabilities. Now, from a fantasy perspective, that was a disaster because he was non-existent in that first half. Now, Chris Scott mentioned in his post-game presser that uh, they made the move to get uh, Stewart further up the ground so that they had to concede a loss on that and moved him further up the ground. And he eventually got to 51 points. But yeah, that's that. And this is what I've talked about in the podcast previously with Stewart and uh, key intercept defenders is that opposition, you've got to, you've got to imagine that there were two teams of tango in a game. It's just not one coach saying this is how we're going to play. And a player is going to score this many points, but you've got to you've got to think that there's an opposition team to trying to take away what they're actually good at. So as much as Chris Scott wants an intercept marking defender in Stewart to keep going like he does, you've got an opposition coach in Chris Fagan going, we're not going to let him do that, and therefore they were happy with the matchup. But yeah, Chris Chris Scott actually um, bit the bullet first, moved him up in the second half. But yeah, it was a disaster most of the game for Stewart. Not 51 points, uh, 94. Uh, 0.5 from uh, his season average. So he's breaking even at 121, so he's going to drop a bit of cash there. But I still like him. Medium ownership, 686k. What do you think of Nedget? Yeah, it was a head-scratch moment for me, mate. I, I must admit, you play to your strengths, and, and obviously they Geelong have other players that can lock down on um, key forwards, even whatever plans Fagues had for, for Stewart. I, well, I wouldn't care. You play to your strengths. But regardless of that, um, yeah, Stewart, you wait a week. You still like him. He's still pushing that top six defender. Um, and he normally comes good this time of year. I've, I've looked at him closely over the last couple of years and been an owner, and he always peaks at the right time, as does Geelong. So Geelong have learned and been coached really well to peak at the right time for finals. So watch Stewart really develop and score well from here on in. Okay, Brandon Ellis. Now, he's got volatile uh, scoring from week to week, but last four games he's averaged 96. 681K, 108 break even, got very low ownership. Now, if he goes off in the last few weeks, well, all good and well, but, yeah, it's high risk here, Jep. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, you can you can hit the score sometimes, but then he goes real poor. So you, you just can't afford to do that. It's it's just a no. Now Andrew Gaff, uh, low score last week, seventy two point five from his last two games, six seventy eight k, one twenty nine break even. So he's going to hemorrhage a little bit more cash, low ownership. Now the Eagles were poor in the weekend, Jip. So I've got to think at some stage the Eagles Eagles will bounce back. And what we talked about last week was the fact that um, getting some senior midfield back into that team. And I think that's only going to benefit Gaff, but let's hopefully that comes sooner rather than later for the Eagles. Yeah, Eagles didn't play West Coast Eagles football. They they didn't play to their game plan at all. Um, and when yeah the Cobbers come out of the four that came back into the team in Kelly, Shuey, McGovern, uh, and I think Shep was the other one, it's... Yeah, they'll play better, and Gaff will come good. It's just not going to be probably in the next week or so. Now, the thing on that game for Gaff last week, it was uh, pretty much wet for the first half, so it was, yeah. it was pretty heavy rain. The other thing is is that you've got a heavy disposal team in the Western Bulldogs, so, so that means if they're a heavy disposal team, the other team aren't getting the ball. So there were a couple of negatives at play for Gaff last week, but, yeah, I think he's still going to be okay in the long run. But and he's going to be low 600s in a couple of weeks, so just got to keep an eye out for him as a target, I would imagine. All right, next one, Jet, we're going to talk about is Lockie Hunter. He's been really 
good last 597.8, 675k. So he's seen a bit of a, about a 100k increase last few weeks, break even to 91, but he does have high ownership. Jet, what are you thinking? No, I still love him. Um, and again, I, I've noticed in the last week or two, he's back to his wing role, traditional wing role. Um, that's still, you know, Bevo loves moving the magnets, so that could change, but for now, he's, he's a lock. Now, Isaac Cumming, his last, for those that started with Cumming, they've had a fantastic ride. His, yeah. their last, his last four weeks, his average 106.8 has been fantastic again, 663k. So he's going to see a little bit more increase in cash, but I wouldn't be making a move off Cumming. Uh, but he's got high ownership, break even at 65. Jeff, what are you thinking? Yeah, he's the only mid pricer that really has worked and, and could be the mid pricer of turn primo. So, um, you, you don't, I wouldn't trade him in personally, just on probably more pride than anything. But um, for those owners, you, you ride the wave for as long as you can and, and upgrade later. Yeah, I wouldn't trade into him because of the high ownership. So you need to navigate a different way around it. But, yeah, for those that started with coming, what a season. It's actually been one of the picks of the year, I reckon. All right, so on to the next one, Braden Maynard. He's averaged 128 from his last two games. He's exited defence for the Magpies quite well. So he's heavy usage at defence too. But we've got to wait and see how he plays out for the rest of the year. I am not sure. Um, I think it's going to be pretty much the same, I would imagine. Now, Darcy Moore's out of the team, so that's one out. So I would imagine he's going to command that ball and take over that defence a little bit. So I've got to imagine there's going to be a pretty decent pick here, but he does have volatile scoring. Now, the issue is if he gets put onto a lockdown role, that actually is going to limit his ceiling. But, yeah, the first game under Robert Harvey, yeah, he was an outlet player for the Magpies. 660k, break him into 53. So you're going to make a little bit of coin here, low ownership. What are you thinking, Jeff? Yeah, don't mind it. He's an angry little man or medium-sized fella. He uh, He's a very competitive person. And um, I just worry if Pendles is going to play behind the ball, will that affect him? So with that cloudy sort of judgment, um, I'm going to avoid it. All right, next one, Luke Ryan. Last three, 100.3, 60... 654k, 85 break, even low ownership. I still like him. Jet, what are you thinking? No, it hasn't been consistent enough for me or shown a, a patch or a month of form where he ticks every box. So, so no. Patrick Dangerfield, 88 last two. Now, 642k, a little bit of a target last week, and I think he'll be a little bit of a target again this week. Now, 111 break, even low ownership. Man, I'm not convinced. Like, I'm happy to be proven wrong, but yeah, um, yeah, not, it's I don't know. It's just a no for me. I've just got a bad feeling what's going to happen if you trade him in. Oh, I actually like him. I, I thought he um, he started really well and and put on the points, fantasy points, at a time um, where I see Geelong in terms of ladder position and them vying for top four. You've got to um, play to your strengths. Chris mm. Scott, if he's listening, and um, that means Dangerfield's on the ball. So I actually don't mind the pick, especially against Essendon this week. I, um, I've got it down as one of my options. If it, Look, and this is the thing, if, it, if, if somebody can promise me he's going to play, say, 75 80% centre bounce usage, well, I'm all in. But it's just, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sold on it. But, man... Jump on. I, I, I encourage those to jump on, but, yeah, I'm not quite sold yet. All right, Dustin Martin. Well, I know your thoughts, Jeb, on <laughs> Dustin Martin, but 90, <laughs> 95.5 from his last four. So he's actually been quite solid. 
629k, 77 break even, high ownership there. So a lot of people have jumped on. So it's not something like I do like him, but it's not something I would be jumping into high ownership on. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll stick with my thoughts. Of the Tigers are going to um, make a play for top four and, and obviously even try and compete for finals this year. That you've got to imagine that Dustin Martin's going to be a big part of that. I'm not going to get your thoughts because I know what your thoughts are. Already. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the next player, Riley O'Brien. 98 points from his last four. So he was quite cheap a few weeks ago, and a, a few people jumped on. So he's got medium ownership, 626k, break-even is 71. What are your thoughts there? The poor man's Grundy, um, isn't he? So if you can't get a Grundy, it's O'Brien, and he, he's still value. So I like his matchups in the, in the next month as well. So I, it's not a crazy idea. Dan Houston, last four, 94.5, had some shoulder concerns earlier this year on two occasions. So he's moved out of defence to sort of protect, into defence to protect his shoulder, but he's seen a little bit of midfield usage uh, the last couple of weeks, so it's good to know. But both positions are both premium scoring positions. It doesn't matter. So he's been quite good in his last four games, 605k. Monster value for me, break-in of 68, but he has high ownership. Jeb, I still think even at high ownership, at that value, I think he's a target. Yeah, agreed. I, I completely agree with you. I think they want the ball in his hands as much as possible, Port Adelaide. So um, at 605 grand, there's not a lot not to like. Now, for those that didn't target Pendlebury last week, he's still monster value down here at uh, 603k. So his last three, he's averaged 95.7, so he's, he's exceeded value. So not 74 break even, but he has high ownership, as we went through earlier in the podcast. But, yeah, again, one of those, exactly like Houston, is that uh, monster value, and I would this is one player I would hit in to high ownership with. Jep, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I've Pendlebury owner as of last week, and... Um, I still believe that, that Harvey will put him behind the ball and um, shore up their ball use from the back half. So um, loving the Pendlebury pick. Yeah, I, as a Collingwood fan, I would I would love to see Pendles finally go to halfback because I reckon he obviously extends his career out. And I think his ball use out of a halfback line would be really good. So it's one. I don't know if it's going to happen. I've heard no whispers. Uh, that it's going to happen, but it's one move that I would like to see happen. So just keep that in mind. Whether it does or not, we'll see for the remainder of the season. Okay, Sam Managola. Spikes previous week has 58 points last week, so he does have a fantasy game, and you've got to expect a little bit of a wing roll there with some injuries at Geelong. So again, 58 last week, 588k. He's in that range, so I'd probably go Houston and Pendlebury over Managola. So break even to 99 and low ownership. Jet, what are you thinking? Yeah, I expected better from Menangola last week, but my opinion of him doesn't change. I still think he's got the ceiling in past years and um, to, to prove his worth, so it's definitely one to look at. Yeah, Geelong were poor last week, so I've got mm. to imagine if they're, they're going to hit some form to finish out the season, that you've got to imagine, the same as Dustin Martin, you've got to imagine that if they're going to finish out the season well, that Menangola is going to be a bit of part of that, especially with hanging onto the ball across the wing role for him. Okay, one player that's seen some increased midfield usage and inside midfield usage more importantly last week was Bailey Smith. So he scores 124. Great to see a ceiling game from him. He's a 575k break even 72 low ownership. Now, his scoring has been volatile but if we can guarantee an inside midfield role I would imagine that he's going to be a bit of a target. Jet, what are you thinking? Yeah, exactly. Let's um, 
let's call Bevo and see what what his ideas are. The thing with the Bulldogs is they can they just got too many options. So it could be good for a few weeks and then it could be dire for the rest of it, like it has been most of the season. So too risky for me. Yeah, there is high risk there, that's for sure. Now, one player that uh, found a little, little bit of fantasy form is Jordan Ridley. 88.5 from his last two. So there's a little bit of there from his fantasy game. 566k. So it's down there in price. So there is value, I would imagine, there at that price. So 74 break even, medium ownership. Chip, what are you thinking there? Yeah, it looks, he looked good last week. He looked really good and, and of value. So I actually... Um, I still think Houston's a better pick ahead of Ridley, but Ridley would be my next best value pick for the week. Okay, Nick Haynes. uh, Not really seeing the spike in ownership I thought was going to happen, but the last three games he's averaged 99 points. Now, Sam Taylor is on the radar to return. I've got to put that out there, but I still think he could stay in that position in defence. Now, if he does, he's going to pretty much score what he has done over the last three weeks. So at 556k, I reckon it's monster value, but we've got to make sure now, fingers crossed, when Taylor comes back, that he stays in that role. I've gone through their team and seen who's due to come back, and I think there is a possibility that that's going to happen. So here's a break-even of 43, low ownership. I still like him, Jet. What are you thinking? Yeah, I still like him too, mate. And I think he's playing with confidence now, which is the biggest advantage of having him in your fantasy team. He was fantastic in that second half on the weekend. Mm, for the he was. Okay, Jeb, on to a few key players for the listeners. Thank you for sending those in. It's time to play like or dislike. And we're going to do an 11-pack to finish off. So Dane Zorko, 142 last week, is, and he's going to be a target this week. Jep, I like. Like, absolutely. Andrew Gaff, I think eventually he will be a like. What are you thinking? No, dislike for now, but one to keep an eye on. Taylor Adams, I like. Yeah, love him. Uh, Jeremy Sharp, yeah, definitely like. 79 last week, and he's going to be a monster target this week as well, but like. Yeah, like, number one rookie pick for this week. Leo Connolly, if he gets named for the Saints this week, I'm a like. Yep, like as well. Matt Rowe, last three, 56.3. Uh, it just hasn't worked for me, dislike. Yeah, dislike, he doesn't look right. He's not moving, or he's not playing with confidence. I think it'll be good next year, though. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Nick Haynes, like. Yep, like too. Travis Boak, I'm going to say dislike you. No, dislike too. Brody Grundy, 118 last week. Monster like. Love. Uh, now, these last two, it's potentially for a trade-out scenario. So it's Caleb Poulter. Now, is it time to trade him out, Jep? I'd say like and trade him out. Yeah, just get rid of him. He's done his job as a rook, so you, you trade him and, and move on. And I have those same thoughts for the final players. Dev Robertson, what are you thinking? I think it's a like to trade out now. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Whenever you can make an upgrade, just do it. Jep, final thoughts ahead of round 16. Um, yeah, find those points of difference with the high-ceiling players and um, enjoy the games this week. Yeah, for me, it's just actually uh, keeping disciplined and managing your spend this week so you've got a, enough always for the next week. So, all right, Jeff, that's it for episode 97. Uh, we'll be back next week again. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, guys.